Hello and welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Today we have none other than the great J.J. Patashaw and the topic is Unlocking the Fretboard Part 2. Now's the time by Charlie Parker. I'm your host, Michael Canoto. I am so happy that we are going to do this session today. This is one of my favorite songs. So I hope to learn something myself from JJ. Um, and I just want to remind you guys that if you're here live with us, first of all, thank you for joining us. Um, you are muted right now, but if you have any questions or maybe you have a comment, just go down there in the chat feature. We would love some interaction. We love your questions. And uh, we're going to set some time to the side to make sure we answer those. And um, just a, a brief reminder of uh, our awesome sponsors we have here at Clearwater Jazz. Uh, so please be sure to check out the studio archives of our past video sessions at clearwaterjazz.com's education outreach section. And that's brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy as well as our Young Lions podcast, available wherever you stream. And that's brought to you by our, our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. Just search Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Um, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you've uh, probably been enjoying the Unlock the Fretboard series from JJ. Um, and he has so many other uh, sessions that he's done with us. Um, plenty of great content that you can go back into archives and you can learn so much about. But if you don't know who JJ Patashaw is, he's the next generation of a lineage of talented musicians, education, educators, and community leaders firmly rooted in cultural tradition and creative innovation. Born into a musical family, JJ's love for music was cultivated from an early age. Growing up surrounded by some of the finest musicians and entertainers in the Southeast, he was brought up on the music artists ranging from Louis Armstrong to Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder to the Neville Brothers and Willie Nelson to Bob Marley and the Whalers. You see that picture back there, right? <laughs> Today, as a sought-after guitarist, vocalist, and instructor steeped in jazz and roots uh, traditions, uh, JJ is quickly making a name for himself as both a solo artist and a consummate accompanist. His global outlook combined with the down-home sensibility give him a unique ability to connect with audience from all walks of life. With a deep reference of old school sound and wisdom and an eye on the horizon, JJ is a dynamic artist on the rise. So without any further delay, JJ, the stage is all yours. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. As always, it's always a pleasure to be here with you on Monday mornings. That seems like it's, uh, it's our Monday morning coffee hour, you and I, here with the Clearwater Jazz Holiday. Um, again, big thanks to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday for having me here as well. It's always uh, you know, it's such a great resource, and I always uh, love starting my week off this way with you guys. Um, it's just a it's a, such a great re resource for whether you're new to jazz whether you're an aspiring musician or whether you've been playing for a while and you're just looking for some new inspiration um, i really think there's something here for everybody and even if you're a guitar player uh, explore all the other instructors on this archive on the archives and on the youtube channel we've got the podcast rolling now so if you just want to hear the audio of all the lessons um, it's really great uh, I know that uh, some of the, the instructors and musicians that are uh, in the in the archives actually 
Um, some of them are even friends and colleagues of my own, but it's always, I just always enjoy hearing their perspective and their, their approach to, to the way we do this. So um, there's always something to learn. And um, so with that being said, we're gonna jump right into this. So over the last couple of weeks, uh, we started a new series. Um, one of the things that we've been doing over the past couple months is really just laying the groundwork for those of you who may be new to jazz, especially students who are, maybe you're joining a jazz ensemble, um, maybe you're a middle school or high school student, maybe you're a college student, um, maybe you're a community band student, uh, community band musician, and um, you're really looking for a way to get into this. Jazz is just, a, can be, is a, a vast world of sound with so many opportunities. And so, um, but kind of navigating that, finding that starting point can be just, I know from my own personal experience, can be daunting sometimes if you don't have somebody kind of pointing you in the, in the right direction. We're fortunate that today there are so many great resources and even locally here in the Tampa Bay area, we have some incredible musicians and instructors and educators all working together to move this music forward. But that said, it's still sometimes, right? You need, you need somebody to give you some pointers. So I hope that this is what these lessons will do. And so as we've gotten into those, one of the things that I wanna do with these lessons is really look to the greats, look to Charlie Parker. Last week we were talking with, we were looking at Blue Monk with Thelonious Monk for Unlocking the Fretboard Part One. And it's not necessarily, you know, Charlie Parker is, is a sax player, right? But we can look to him for inspiration, we can also use his tunes as kind of a guide point in our own instrument, the guitar, right? Um, we figure out how to apply, because in, in jazz, so many, especially as guitar players, we have to understand that um, more often than not, we're playing a supportive role. The leads are often going to be horn players, um, might be piano players, you know. So we have to find our place in that. And the first thing we can do is start listening to those folks, right? Thelonious Monk, immerse yourself in that music. Charlie Parker, these are the, these are the individuals who really created this language. So, um, so what does that mean? So what we're going to do is I've got a little uh, PowerPoint for you today. And we're going to look at now's the time. One of the things that I've been, that this tune is going to allow us to do is that we're going to look at, it's not just using Charlie Parker right as a framework but we're also using the blues the blues has such a deep relationship with jazz they are kind of um in the beginning in a certain way they when the music the musics were developing in a certain way jazz developed out of blues and then from a certain point they kind of um took parallel paths jazz continued to go this way blues developed in its own way um always kind of communicating and relating with one another one another but um but they kind of have their their own past that they took as well always remaining deeply interconnected so for me the blues even when i'm teaching somebody rock or right, if i'm teaching somebody pop music blues is at the heart of so much of the music that we love here especially when it comes to american music pop music contemporary music um it's really such a, a through line so we can use the blues in a certain way to kind of 
as a catapult because it has a structure that is easy is relatively easy to follow especially if you're coming from a rock or pop background if you've been a guitar player for a certain period of time something that we are familiar with and we can use that to kind of get our get something concrete to hold on to so we can move forward um so with now's the time when we started with um, blue monk it was pretty much a straight blues right we were talking about it was a 12 bar blues we're going to review a little bit of that today but now's the time also allows us to start adding some passing chords in and to really start expanding so that we can move into some um, some deeper material um, little by little so today what we're going to do is as we get into it I'm not going to give you a ton of extra information. I'm going to give you a few extra chords. Right now, what we're doing is we're looking at this from the standpoint of navigating the fretboard because it's one thing with the guitar players. So many times, you know, we're in the beginning. The it's kind of to our benefit and to our detriment at times too because it's such a instrument that um, many guitar players coming to this with our ears, right? We're playing by ear. Maybe you're following on YouTube, maybe you've got some players that you follow, you're listening, you're picking up different licks and rock, uh, rock riffs, and that's great. Um, but we need to figure out how to, um, in order to play this music, we're gonna have to have a deeper understanding of the fretboard and just how we can start applying. Because if you wanna play this music successfully, and be able to not even just that but to be able to express yourself clearly through this music you kind of have to know where where to go right you have to know how to orient yourself and you don't have to play anything complicated but you have to be able to at least uh, physically move through the music mechanically i call it um so what we're focusing on right now is more getting you playing, giving you practical application so that when you sit down and it puts your instructor puts a lead sheet in front of you or a chart that you know how to navigate that chart um, without with even with just a general knowledge of theory. We're not getting real heavy into the theory. We're thinking of that this more in like practical theory is what I call it. Something that has practical application that you can use we're not so much focused on creativity that is we're moving into that but we're mostly focused on just um covering the parts at this point because as at any instrumentalist whether you're a soloist like a trumpet player or a sax player or whether you're in the rhythm section everybody has a role to play once we understand that we can cover that then we can start moving into the more creative realms as which is really what we're shooting for right or hopefully uh, because that's the beauty of this music. So that being said, let's go ahead. I'm going to do a screen share here. Get our sound here. All right. Unlocking the fretboard part two. Now's the time. So with this tune, what we're going to do is we're going to explore Charlie Parker's tune. Now's the time we've talked about that. And a couple of things that we're going to look at here is this. What we want to be able to do is we're still going to look at the record. We're going to recognize variations in the blues form. So essentially the 12 bar blues is still our structure for what we're doing here, but we're also going to be able to recognize as we start Sometimes it can become a little confusing, right? Once we start seeing um, passing chords, or maybe you'll see like two five ones, or you, 
And even in a blues, uh, blues tune, you'll start seeing uh, turnarounds. And you, right now you might be, you're probably asking, what's a two, five, one? What's a turnaround? What do you mean passing chords and uh, passing tones, right? That's, that's not as important as to just be able to recognize when we're essentially dealing with a blues form, even though there might be slight variations to be able to recognize, okay, at the end of the day, with all these chords, I can still strip it down to a one, four, five. We'll review the one, four, five today, right? The progression, but I would highly recommend that you go back. If you're just jumping into this, start at um, unlocking the fretboard part one, because we go much deeper into the one, four, five, so that you can understand that, because that's gonna be your starting base. So then we wanna recognize, once we kind of recognize the blues form, then through that, we can start to look at, well, what else is going on? The first thing we're gonna do is be able to pick up on um, two five ones that are starting to appear. Um, and that's going to propel us into our next lesson next week where we get deeper into that. And then we want to do is we want to have some tangible chord forms that we can use. And then once we have those chord forms, we want to be able to know how to move those around the neck. What does that mean to move those around the neck? And as I start to internalize these chords, I also start to internalize the layout of the neck, where my roots are, where um, where my the different chord tones are, and you can do that all through the process that we're we're working through right now. So the first thing we want to do is our listening sample. I found a cool photo here of the great Herbie Hancock with some headphones, so I thought it was uh, appropriate. We're going to listen to Charlie Parker's tune. See where my cursor is here. Mm -hmm. There it is. Give me one second. Technical difficulty on this end. I've been getting paid a thousand dollars a month. All right. Let's just jump to this one. Okay. So now's the time, Charlie Parker. Okay. Listen for a moment. start our week off than with little bird right charlie parker is bird in case those of you right uh those of you who are new to the jazz world a lot of times when your instructors and other musicians are referring to charlie parker you're just going to hear him referred to as bird all right as in charlie yardbird parker so we affectionately call him bird all right so we can go to the next slide here and that takes us now into the form of the tune 
If you look here, so I've got the chart. This is just from the iRealBook Pro. It's an app that you can download on if you have a smartphone. Um, it's a great resource just for practicing. The, there Obviously, there are a lot of mixed uh, opinions when it comes to real books, um, but getting started, it's not a bad tool to have, um, especially in this case, we can analyze some of the tunes. Um, now, the thing to recognize with this tune, now's the time, is that uh, depending if you look in some real books it'll just have it as a straight blues so it'll just be a one four five we're going to review the one four five um but other charts which some musicians like and some don't will have some of these passing tones you've got like two fives in here um you've got some diminished chords you've got some turnarounds um so they kind of whoever kind of put this chart in here uh, rearranged it a little bit just to, to make it a little more interesting as far as quarterly what's happening and or harmonically and for the, all intents of purposes today, I think it's going to it's going to serve us well. So the main thing to remember here is let's just quickly review the blues form. Remember, we talk about the blues. We're talking about a 12 bar blues. That's 12 measures, four counts, right? We're dealing in four, four time, uh, four bars. And you've got four counts per measure, excuse me, four counts per measure, 12 bars. So right here, you see you've got basically a four bar system. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. All right. So essentially, we're still dealing with the 12 bar blues form. Remember, when we were talking about the one, four, five, if you follow my cursor over here, the one, four, five, each note in the scale, essentially, we're dealing with a seven tone scale before we reach the octave octave would be basically from F to F. You've got every every note in the scale has a scale degree and a scale degree. All that is, is basically just its placement, the placement of that note, the position of that note within whatever key that you're in. So in this case, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you can see down here, these are your scale degrees. So the F is the one, the B flat is the four, and the C is the five, okay? So in this case, what you the thing you want to remember too is um, I would go back, um, I'm gonna review a couple of the forms, but I've got some great chord forms in that previous lesson, Unlocking the Fretboard Part One. Again, I would recommend you go back and start with there, start with that one so you can get a good solid grasp on just some, some solid chord forms that you can use for one, four, five progression. So then what we can look at here is, okay, so, We've got the 12 bar blues when I was playing last week. Um, let me go ahead and give you a, a tuning note here. Low, just your low E. And I'm gonna give you your high E. Just so we're on the same page. Okay, so last week we were talking about essentially when we're dealing with a one, four, five, I had this uh, this form here where I was playing the, the everything remember we said in a traditional blues is going to be dominant meaning you have it's basically a major triad with a flat seven on top so what would that mean in the case of uh, an F chord we'll talk more about um, just harmonically as far as chord construction down the road but for now the main thing to remember is that it's basically the sound so that's your major sound, right? 
and instead of an E major seven or an E major, right, or an E natural, my cursor here. There it is. Instead of an E natural, you'd have an E flat on top. So it would sound instead of uh, right, that'd be the major seven. And that's the dominant seven. And so when I play that, it's the difference between these two sounds. That's the major seven and dominant seven. Major seven, dominant seven. Okay, so now what we want to do is um, when we go through this, um, this uh, lead sheet here, and we're talking about, okay, essentially what we're going to do is the main progressions that there's a, a few more things going on in this chord and this chart than I want to focus on today. The main things that I want to look at for the moment is basically the last bar of each system here. Okay, so I've got here like the C minor seven to F seven, the A minor seven to D seven, the G minor seven to C seven. Um, we're gonna get into all the other stuff down the line, but just to keep it focused, let's look at what's going on with these kind of, um, these turnarounds here. So remember when we were talking about a one, four, five, I can, in the case of an F seven, I can start down here, the shape that I gave you. Um, let me go ahead here. These are a couple shapes. I want to jump to this one right here, this F7. Okay, when I'm looking at that, this is the shape I gave last week for Thelonious Monks. You can play an F7 this way. So I've got essentially the root tone right there on the sixth string that we're looking at this one again. I'm muting that fifth string. On the fourth string, I've got my second finger. And then I've got right here, you've got, um, I'm on the third string in the second fret. Okay. And then I'm gonna go ahead with my third finger here. This is my fourth finger, it's gonna be on this one. The numbers that you see on these dots are the frets. Okay. So this is gonna be your first finger, second finger, fourth finger, and this is actually gonna be your third finger. So I'm gonna get close. Twist my hand a little bit so you can see what's going on. So that's your F7. Remember, these are movable shapes. All right, so that's your F7. Um, you can also play an F7 this way where I essentially create a bar. So this is another way to play a dominant seven chord. I create this bar here on the first fret. And then this is going to be this second F7 form here. So when I do this, now I put my third, I create the bar on the first fret. Third finger is going to be on the fifth string. And the second finger is going to be on the third string in the second fret. So right here, you can see how I have that bar. If you haven't spent any time, a lot of this information, if you've played bar chords, um, you'll want to review that. Definitely review those, those the chords that we've learned in uh, pop and rock tunes. Some people are a fan of bar chords, others are not. Um, but I would go ahead, you're going to need them. So go ahead and get that bar worked out where you create that finger here, cross the whole fret. You've got the third finger here on the third fret, and you've got the second finger on the second fret on the third string. That looks like this. 
that's a movable chord as well. Okay, so let's go back to our chart. Now, why do you say as far as right here, this is the, the essentially, this is something I borrowed from a, this is not mine. I borrowed this from a, um, a Reddit guitar forum. I think I listed it on the last lesson with Thelonious Monk. If you're interested into that, you can check out. There's all sorts of good information there. Um, but it just laid it out nice. Um, and what you can do here, this, if you need to start with something like this, essentially to kind of find, it's not bad, use it as a roadmap to begin with. And what's happening here is just so you understand, you've got the, we're going up to the 12th fret, which is a set really where we're going to do be doing from like, the sweet spot is really probably the first fret to up to the 12th fret, really with the our the finger work that we're going to be doing but i would even say you know anywhere from the third to the ninth fret eighth fret right this is a nice central region of the neck where we're going to be doing a lot of our work especially if we are playing with other instrumentalists it's one thing to play down here if it's just you or maybe you're accompanying a horn player or a vocalist but you're going to need more options right if you're playing with a bass player, if you're playing with a piano player, because what can happen is, as we get to these, these chords sound great. Nice full chords, but what ends up happening when we're putting that up against a bass player or a piano player, it can get muddy. So one of the things that we're also, just because the, the, the nature of the timbre of the strings, right, mixed with just these thick chords that piano players may be playing, right? Same thing with the bass player. We don't necessarily always, we'll talk more about that down the road, but you just want to be thinking in terms of, all right, if I've got a full band, I need to cut through that sound. So you're gonna want some other options. And that's kind of what we're working on now too. But for now, get the shapes under your fingers. All that to say, the central part of the neck is where we're going to be doing as guitar players, especially in a rhythm, full rhythm section where we're going to be doing a lot of our fret work. So we can go through here and we say, okay, well, I know that Charlie Parker soon is an F blues and I need to figure out where my starting point is. And so I can say, okay, well, what I just showed you, my starting point is the first fret. Okay. There's an F right here on the first fret on the sixth string or the E string, however you're looking at it. And then I say, okay, well, he also goes to a B flat. Then I go back. See, we have this B flat here. And it's gonna have that C7, that's my one, four, five. So when I look at this, I can kind of map it out just visually. And I can say, okay, well, here's the F, there's my root. There's the five, this is the B. Okay, right, this only has, there's no accidentals, no half steps that are really, marked no no sharps or flats essentially right that are marked on this chart they just have the the natural chord tones the tonics so when i'm looking at this i'm saying okay i've got f if this is a b on the second fret i know that the half step down is going to be b flat so check this out one four five one more time the f this will be the b flat which is the four and the five. So this is kind of my, for the moment, this is gonna be our central workspace. So I come back here, I say, okay, I've got the F7. Then I gave you this other shape that we're gonna to use today, 
which is a B-flat 9. On this B-flat 9, I'm in the first fret. And what I'm doing, essentially, I'm going to everything here. I'll mark this next time with fingerings for you. But for now, these are your frets. So everything is in the first fret. I've got my second finger here on the fifth string, and I'm creating a bar with a third finger here. This is basically I'm going to let this ring out. I'm using my finger here to kind of mute that. My second finger, my second finger is on the fifth string. And then I create this bar from the bottom I've got on the second, third, and fourth strings. So the fifth string, excuse me. Excuse me, on the on the first, second, and third strings. My bad. First, second, third, I've got the bar. I'm muting the fourth string here with my second finger. So when I do that. That gives me my B9. We talked about the, the E flat, or we talked about an E, uh, I think we were on the E flat nine last week because we were in the key of B flat. Essentially, it's the same shape that we learned last week in Thelonious Monk's tune. Go look up the nine, the shape for the nine, but when we get down here to the first fret, I run out of space for that first finger, so I've got to essentially bump up against the fret and I pull that first finger off the neck. But it's the same, as soon as I get up here to the second fret, I can put that finger back down on the fourth string. So it's still a, it's still a movable shape. So I've got F7, and I'm using this F7. Watch my cursor, I'm on this F7 here. I go to the B flat seven. And then we're going to also use a chord from last week. We talked about uh, our C, like our, our another alternate form, an alternate form of the dominant seven chord, which essentially is like our C shape. So if you know how to play an open C chord, I put my fourth finger or my pinky down on the third string. So this is the C. I put my pinky down on the G string. And I play just those four middle strings. So now I've got the one, four, five. Okay. So now what we want to do is we want to go back to our chart. And I say, okay, so you've got these chords to start. So maybe that's the way to, to begin. Outline your one, four, five. Look at, the, if you know it's a blues, map it out. Get your chord chart out. Look at that scale diagram like here. I have here, F, G, A, B flat, C. Just use something like this. It's cool. There are all kinds. You can find charts online too that'll give you, that'll visually, if you haven't memorized all your flats and sharps yet, that's okay. Start with something like this. Get yourself um, a, a book or find a chart. There's all sorts of free resources online where it has everything. It lets you know the notes that are in every scale, right? So if you've got an F blues or an F major scale, whatever, look at or an F minor, whatever the key that you're dealing with, lay it out. And then you can literally just kind of map it out to start with. I've got the one, the four, the five. I know this is a blues because I see the 12 bar form. 
right? Okay, I know that a blues, let me see. Okay, I've got the one. Okay, I've got the four there. And then checking that. Okay, here's the five down here. So then you say, well, what's going on here? What, what are all these other tunes? So all these other chords. And it's going to sound something like this. So essentially, two, three, four, top, B flat, three, four, one, two, three, four, go, three, four, B flat, two, three, four, B flat, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, three, four, G minor seven, three, four, two, turn around. So now we can say, well, what's going on? So you don't necessarily have to, with blues forms, we talked about being able to recognize variations in a blues, right? So once you understand the blues, you can also put these variations in it and essentially, you know, not everything has to be, doesn't have to be four bars of F, you know, two bars of B flat, another two bars of F. It can also be, you know, a bar of F to the four, back to the one, two, three, four. Now, let's jump ahead. And I say, okay, well, what is this? I've got the C minor seven. And then it lands on the B flat seven. Well, what's going on here? We got the C minor seven to the F seven. And then I'm gonna land on that B flat seven. So let's look at that. Cause I know that this, okay. I've got the one. I've got the four, then it goes back to the one. And I see the one here, but then it's got this, I've got this C minor thing going on. I look here, right? And check this out. Essentially what's happening, they're pivoting on this C minor seven to F seven so that they can land on a B flat. Now I don't have all the scales. We'll get more into this. I don't have all the scales, but what we need to look at here is when I go C minor seven, I'm gonna give you a shape for that to F7, and then it lands on the B flat seven. What's happening here is because they're landing on this B flat, when we talk about a two, five, one, I'll just tell you right now, this is a two, five kind of turnaround, or it's a two, five, it's setting you up to go into the next system down here. And you've probably heard the term two, five, and you're wondering what that's all about. Well, let me show you right here where these arrows are kind of all set up. In the key of F, when we're talking about a two, five, one, which essentially it's gonna be the two. So we talked about one, four, five, right? So one, four, five, two, five, one is basically, it's based off of the G, which is the two. So it would be, if you see the lowercase here, that means it's minor. If you see an uppercase, that's major. So I've got two, the five, is going to be C and the one is going to be F. So in the case of an, uh, in the key of F, a two, five, one would be G minor seven, C seven, F. So, or sorry, <laughs> playing right changes for the song, wrong changes for the key of F. So two G minor seven, to C7 to F. 
So I'm going to give you some fingerings for that. But what's happening here, you can see this. So what happens is in the case of a C minor seven to the F seven, and then we land on the B flat. So it's kind of, it's a, a cool little device that also essentially what we're doing without getting too far ahead of ourselves is we're pulling a, B, a two five. All you need to know today is that this is a two five in B flat. So, and you're saying, okay, well, what does that mean? The same idea here. I jump down G minor seven to the C seven, right? That look familiar. Here's our G minor seven to C seven to F. So this is our two five from F. Well, what they're doing now, when you see the C minor seven to F, here's the clue. For now, all you need to know is that this is a two five in B flat. So in the key of B flat, the two would be C, the five would be F, and then the tonic would be B flat. All right, same thing here. If I jump ahead, A minor seven to D seven. Look at this, here's the clue. I look ahead, G minor, okay? Granted, we're borrowing, right? We're landing on a dominant chord here. Usually, traditionally, we land on a major chord. We'll talk about that down the road, but today just kind of accept it as fact. Here, traditionally, we land on a major seven, but we're landing on the minor. But the G is what we're really concerned about. Oops, excuse me. The root is really, the tonic here is really what we're most concerned about. I'm not really concerned as much about the quality, meaning whether it's major or minor dominant, as much as I am at the moment, just the tonic, that it lets me know that we're just looking, trying to recognize this device. C minor seven to F seven. It's kind of a, a, a mini turnaround, right? And then when the same thing happens here, the two five to D seven to G minor. And what's happening, how you can kind of start to recognize this I'm not going to say it's all the time, but I'll say at least 80, 75, 80% of the time, if you see a minor followed by a dominant landing on a major, right? You have, let's say two chords in a measure, minor, dominant, landing on a major. In this case, obviously I said, we're landing on the dominant. We're borrowing the idea. We're borrowing the device. More often, when you have that minor seven followed by the dominant seven, and then you land on either the major, the dominant, the minor, right? It's probably a two five. And then what you can do is say, okay, well, the thing that you can start to do to unlock the neck is I say, well, what is, okay, if I know that C minor seven to F seven, I land, okay, that's a two five. Oh, that's the two five in B flat. Go pull up a B flat major scale. In this case, right, when I said, okay, this looks like the minor seven followed by the dominant seven, I'm landing on the F, hold on. Oh, G minor seven to C seven, right? The five is usually gonna be dominant. And then I'm gonna land on the F. Oh, that's a two five in F. Now, let's jump here. You need a shape for a C minor seven. We need to, a shape to be able to play these now, right? We need to be able to play physically a C like a, a two five. So here's this is really straightforward, really easy. You can apply this up and down the neck. I go back to my chart, right? We looked at this, and I said, okay, I'm in the key of F. Here's my one. Okay, well check this out. 
even though this was dominant, I've got this C right here. I was playing the dominant because it was on the five, but now I'm playing this minor seven. I wonder if I can just stay in that same place and play a minor seven. Why, yes, you can. I'm in the same position. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a bar. I lay my finger across the third fret. And then what I do is I've got my third finger is going to be in the fifth fret on the fourth string. Second finger is in the fourth fret on the second string. And this is how it looks. This is movable. This is movable. So once you've learned it, if I move it up, remember we talked about this last week, I've got a C minor seven here. I move it up a half step, it's C sharp minor seven or D flat minor seven, half step, D minor seven, whole step, E minor seven. And if you're not really sure, don't, there's no shame in the beginning, right? There's never any shame, but like, there's no shame in pulling this chart out and saying, okay, just have fun with it. Okay, I've got C minor seven. I can go up a whole step, D minor seven, memorize, internalize where those roots are. Now check this out. Last piece here that you need to know. We can either play our dominant shape that we played last week. That's this form here, the first F7, right? Or I can also play this shape, the second shape that I gave you, which is the, basically I create the bar on the first fret, third fingers on the fifth string, second fingers on the third string, okay? So that said, so it would sound like this. I'm playing my B flat nine here, okay? Now check this out. You know that this is a, this is a two five. Okay, I can move this up a half step. When I say half step, all I'm doing is moving up Chromatically, this is my C minor seven. Actually, let's to make it a little more practical. Let's move up a whole step. So I take that same shape, move it up to the fifth fret. I can do the same thing. Play my G seven. I'm using this form because that F seven that we played. I can move that up a whole step as well, and now it becomes G seven. So what does that mean? I go. D minor seven, G seven, check this out. D minor seven, watch my cursor here, I'm on the fifth fret. D minor seven, G seven, land on the C. So if you were playing now's the time in another key, maybe somebody calls it in a different tune or a different key center, and you gotta play a two five in C, well now you know how to do it. Oh, move it up a whole a half step. E flat minor seven to A flat seven to D flat nine. I'm landing on the D nine. E minor seven, A seven, D nine. So I'm taking those same shapes. All I'm doing is just moving it literally. I'm not really focusing on all this, right? This can look, this may look like uh digital coding to you here where you're like what is going on don't even pay attention to these all these notes up here all you need to know right now let's just focus on the sixth and the fifth string because in the beginning to navigate the neck that's really what we need to know 
you're gonna we're gonna get all the other stuff but right now this is what we need so now let's go back to the chart boom so in this case we got the c minor 7 to f7 landing on the b flat i'm going to give you one shape here actually that i forgot to include on there and all this is real straightforward all you have to do is you're going to create all fingers are in the same fret it's going to be in the fit like for instance when we get to this a minor 7 to d7 okay well instead of jump you could jump all the way if you followed that chart the next a that we're going to play right if i want to play that a minor seven with the shape that i have i have to jump all the way up here to the 12th fret so there's got to be another alternative because look i see here well i've got an a down here we're trying to think practically as well so just to kind of round this out on the fifth fret I'm going to create, this is a little different, but I'm going to create essentially a bar. And what I'm going to do here, excuse me, oops. Sorry about that. All right, <laughs> lost my cord. All I'm going to do here, create a bar on the fifth fret. And then what I do is straight down, third fingers on the fifth string on the seventh fret. bar on the fifth fret third finger is here on the fifth string on the seventh fret so it's like a you're spanning three frets this is movable as well so same idea once you've learned it here if i learn it if i move it down a half step it becomes a g minor seven excuse me a whole step if i move it down a whole step it becomes a g minor seven if i move it down another whole step it becomes f minor seven again just coming back no shame in the game of looking at this chart to get your just to get your bearings it's a roadmap so that said i can go a minor seven to the d9 we take that same shape that we learned in thelonious monk's blue monk the b flat right we moved it up i can play it right here my nine chord on the fifth fret so it's a minor seven d9 check this out i can play on that g minor seven that's coming right here follow the cursor that g minor seven i play that new shape that minor seven that we just learned so i go two three four to the c7 now remember these chords are becoming interchangeable. So if you see a dominant chord, you're not glued to playing a nine chord. You can substitute now that C7 chord, right? That's based off the C shape that we learned last week where we play the four inner strings. So in this case, I could go A minor seven to D9 here. I could also go A minor seven to D7. And then I'll land on that G minor seven on the last line. Two, three, four. I could either play a C nine or I could play a C seven based off the C shape, right? F seven to the D seven. Two counts per chord here. G minor seven, the new chord that we just learned. And then you could play a C7 
or a C9. With this particular tune, you can substitute the nine if you want, right? Or you can substitute, or you can play the, the straight dominant seven. So what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna run through the changes. One quick word of advice, don't worry about this. This is a diminished seven chord here, this B. Let's not worry about that right now. So in place of that, you can just play the four, which is the B flat seven, all the way through that. Remember it's a four, because if I look over here at my scale, the B flat is the four in the, in the scale. So the B flat, just play two bars of B flat. And what you can do here, F7, so let's start at the top. I'm gonna count us out. Two, ready, play. One, two, three, four, and play my B flat nine. Two, three, four, back to the B flat, the F7. Two, three, four. Okay, my C minor seven. Two, three, four. On the C minor seven, pick the shape that you wanna use. In this case, since I'm down here, I'm gonna use that first C minor seven shape, this one. This is the one I gave you, right? I'm gonna play, plug that in right there. C minor seven, F seven, land on the B flat nine. Two, three, four, remember, just play another bar of B flat. Three, four, F seven. Remember on the F seven, you can you interchange whether this new form I gave you today or the form that we learned last week in Thelonious Monk's tune, we can play it that way. So one, two, three, four. Now check this out. Remember our new A minor seven bar on the fifth fret. I'm jumping up here. One, two, I'm gonna play my C7 here, excuse me, my D7. So I'm gonna play those last two bars. F, two, three, four, A minor, D7. My new G minor seven chord. One, two, three, four, C7. Two, three, four. Here's the turnaround. We'll talk about turnarounds next time. F7, D7, G minor seven, C7. Once you commit to it, commit to the shape that you're gonna use ahead of time in the beginning, right? Until you kind of get these shapes under your finger, just say, this is the shape I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use this for, every time I see an F dominant seven, I'm gonna play this shape. Every time I play the B flat, determine the chord that you're gonna play so that you there's no confusion. You don't wanna slow, you don't want anything kind of hanging you up when it comes time to play this. Eventually, you're gonna internalize these, you're gonna have all kinds of muscle memory, you're going to be able to think right on the spot. You're not even going to think about it, honestly. You're going to hear something in your head, right? And you're going to play exactly whatever you're, you, 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 uh, whatever you're feeling in that moment. That's the beauty of jazz is that we not even, we have the ability to improvise both melodically, right? When we're taking a solo. But the beauty of this is as you start to get more of these chords under your fingers and you start to internalize them, you can actually improvise to a degree even with the harmony, the shapes that you choose to use based on that is going to help you create your own voice as well. I'm going to run this one more time. Okay. And then what we'll do is um, I'm going to run through this one more time here. I'll count us off right from the top. I'm going to say, I'm going to use, this is the form. I'm going to use the new F7 form today. I'm going to use my B flat nine. 
all right back to the, on the c minor because it's right there i'm going to use that new form i showed you today the first form based off the third fret but whenever i get to that a minor seven and that g minor seven i'm going to use the the form and i'll have that written for you next week i apologize that i don't have that in this lesson I accidentally dropped the ball on that one but just remember it's the bar fifth fret okay with the third finger on the fifth string okay this is the last part of this lesson let's go ahead and run this right from the top i'm gonna count us off f7 to the b flat nine two three four one two three four b flat nine two back to the f7 one two three four c minor seven two one two remember that when you i don't know if i explained this but if you have two chords in a measure you're going to have two counts two beats on c minor seven two beats on f minor on f7 so it'll go one two three four b flat nine two three four another bar b flat two three four back to f two three four check this out jump up to the fifth fret one two d7 one on the g minor three four c7 one two three four here we go two counts per chord f7 d7 g minor seven c7 so if you look with all of this I'm really not going past the fifth fret for anything that we're doing today. Okay, I'm keeping everything. This is my kind of window here from the first fret to the fifth fret. And that's a real nice central location. We can kind of, that helps us if we break the neck down into these kind of manageable blocks. It also helps us to learn the chords in that section. Not that you're gonna play only those chords all the time, but it becomes more manageable than trying to figure out the whole neck at once. All right, so remember last piece here, blues is a one, four, five, right? 12 bars. The two, five, one, if we see in any tune from this point on, keep your eyes open, because if you see a minor seven followed by a dominant seven landing on usually a major, but in this case, maybe it's landing on a dominant or a minor, do your homework, go back, see if you can figure that out, okay? Here's the, the hint, if it's C minor, F, B flat, pull up a B flat scale, just get on Google, Google that B flat major scale. Oh, yep, that's right. I'm playing a two five in the key of B flat. Guess what, you've got that, log that in because anytime now you need a, a two five and B flat, you've got it. Same thing here, A minor seven, followed by a dominant seven landing on the G. Hmm, okay, wait a minute, let me pull, just make your default major scale, right? Just say, look up a, like a two five and G major, pull it up. A minor, D7, oh, landing on G, oh yeah, yeah I'm playing 2-5 and G, okay, log that in, and the cool thing is, once you do that, we talked about this with the blues, the guitar has all these patterns built into it, so I can play this, I don't even have to know the notes, I shouldn't be saying that to you, but for the beginning, we just want to play the part, I can practice the neck mechanically, say the tone, the notes to yourself, the chords to yourself, Mechanically, this is what a two five one sounds like. All right, we're gonna talk more about two five ones in the coming weeks. But for now, when you see that happening, this is a great way for us to kind of 
push ourselves in that direction because we're still dealing with the blues, but now we're also seeing the introduction of these two fives, all right? Because there are a lot of jazz tunes that are built specifically around two fives. So we'll be talking more about that down the road. Um, I hope this lesson was beneficial to you and helpful. Um, I know it's a lot of information, but again, I would get yourself, put one of these in your guitar case, get yourself a chart. And then if you have some sort, write it out, you know, you can do it yourself and um, keep it with you. Put it on your music stand. If you have, when you're practicing, go through some of these devices, play a blues, see if you can figure out the notes and the chords in every, in every key, move up and down the neck, do the same thing with a two, five, one. You start doing that now, even you don't have to even really understand theory behind the two five one but if you can mechanically play it and you at least know you know okay the minor seven to the dominant landing on this okay i know that that's a two five and b flat two five and a whatever now you can really start accessing the the notes that you need on the neck you'll be able to also cover the part and that's what we're really looking for is we just need to cover these parts so that you can do fill, fill your role in your ensemble and help out your instructor and finally and work towards being able to express yourself. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you for spending your Monday morning with me. It was a lot, it was a pleasure. Mike, thank you for having me today. Thank you to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday. I'm happy to answer any questions, but uh, if not, we will see you next week. Awesome, awesome. You know, one thing uh, you said, uh, there's a lot of information you just gave. And the benefit we have is we can always go back in our archives and we can rewind, we can pause and practice along with it. So I want to encourage everybody, if you didn't catch it all the first time, you know, you could always go back and check it out again or share it with uh, maybe somebody in your band uh, that could benefit from this. Because, you know, we want to be lifetime learners when it comes to music. And man, I love the way you broke that 251 down. I mean, that's so many people struggle with that and they see that and they're like, ah, how do I do it? And I mean, you're already tapping into that resource and, you know, how do we use it with this song? Uh, Cause it's all about application, correct? I agree. And I mean, I know just, there are things, you know, Mike, that I've, been, as we've been doing these lessons, I try to put myself back in that place and think of, you know, I had some great instructors, but there are some things along the way that I, wish maybe I was like, maybe there would have been a different way to how should, how would I like to teach this to somebody? How would I like to have been taught this? And I think in the beginning as guitar players, because, you know, it's a little different than coming specifically with guitar players. We come at it from a little different angle because many guitar players have been playing guitar for, they have great facility, but we don't always, we need to know how to connect those dots. And so to me, I think that's, let's just, be able to cover the part, you know, you know what it's like to be a, a, a music educator. Sometimes we just need to cover that part and then we get ourselves, you know, with between our peers and our instructors, they can help us kind of to, to really understand what's going on. But so much of it in the moment, we just, we want to start playing. We want to start having fun. And I think we can do that while simultaneously pick up the pieces and parts that we need to understand this at a deeper level. So I totally agree. So I think we'll see everybody coming up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, definitely tune back in 
and see the awesome um, teaching that we're getting uh, from JJ. And don't forget, if there's a topic that uh, you would like to explore, maybe we haven't uh, touched on that, or maybe it's an artist you want to hear more about, uh, you could always email us at info at clearwaterjazz.com. We love hearing from our listeners and uh, we love that interaction. We want to hear more from you. And don't forget to check out the archives for uh, past uh, sessions. And they are free. Can I say that again? They're free. So somebody's investing in your education, your music education. So we thank you again for joining us today. And until next time, like we always say around here, keep it swinging. I'm your host, Michael Canoto, and this has been JJ Patashaw. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.